you don't have to be a comedian to be able to have good humor. And you also don't have to be the source of the joke in order to have good humor, in order to find something funny or to turn something funny. You can find fun in everything and anything in life if you choose to. I really think it's all a matter of perspective, a matter of mindset. You know, you can see the light side of life. It takes a moment to stop and say, why am I reacting like this? Why am I taking this so seriously? Could there be something light in this? Is it that important, you know? Hi, I'm Rifki Silver. And I'm Alex Fletcher. And this is Deep Meaningful Conversations, powered by Meaningful Minutes. The podcast where we explore the complexities, nuances, and joys of being a firm woman. Well, welcome to another episode of DMC. We hope you're all having a great summer. And um, as you can imagine, we do get a lot of requests, either from people themselves who reach out to us um, or from others. People sometimes want to be on our podcast and it's very brave of people to like self-promote and that's pretty awesome. So that's great too. But we also get a lot of feedback from listeners who have suggestions about, you know, who they want to hear on DMC. So Rifki and I have this sort of running list of people we, who we want to be on the show. And we, for a long time, have wanted to have a DMC with Yaffa Palti. And, you know, we both love a good DMC, which for sure is the best perk of this prog- podcast. We get to, like, <laughs> handpick who we want, all the incredible people that we want to have a DMC with. So that we love. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, it's just such a fun experience altogether. So yay for that. Yep. Um, what we love about, or what I love about Yaffa, you know, is she's so relatable and also so wise and so deep and her ability to inspire and give up her messages that really, they touch like such a wide variety of people. Like she, I think she can relate to just a very uh, diverse yeah. swath of the population of the world. That's really unique. It, it's such That's a skill. A it's it's yeah. a real skill. Yeah. The, um, and she's always so beautifully put together mm-hmm. and just with a beautiful smile. I love her style. Mm-hmm. Um, I met her in person years ago, I don't know, three or four years ago um, at the Ace Partners Conference. The year it was in LA, not in Stanford. It was like the one year I was down there and mm-hmm. she was living in San Diego at the time when she came up. It was really such a treat to connect to her then and now to reconnect through the podcast. Yes. So I also um, met Yafa in person. I've spoken about this core conference in Denver Denver with Elisa Bulow, who we've had a few episodes back. Um, and, you know, like we all have our first impressions and someone stands up to speak and you like sort of like try to figure them out. <laughs> and what I found about Yafa is... Uh, I was so impressed with her content, with her tochen. Is Yaffa has a lot of Torah insights um, and Torah knowledge that's so integrated and so part of who she is and yeah. so natural um, in terms of that, you know, it sort of spills out. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's very beautiful. She's, um, like you mentioned, very put together. And um, I just was really impressed with her depth of thought and her Torah knowledge. So I think she just has a great combination um, you know, to present. Absolutely. And, and Yafa has a sh- has Shiram and social media content about a whole range of topics. Um, we wanted to do something a little bit different on this podcast when we invited her to come have this DMC. We're both brainstorming and we were thinking that one of the things that makes Yafa unique is just how funny she is. She's just so funny. She's mm. just humorous on her social media accounts. Like I'm always cracking up with her puns, so many good puns and her reels and just she's self-deprecating and relatable. And um, yeah, I'm, sometimes I even think back about like, oh, that was so funny when she did that. Like even years later. Really? I'm like, oh my gosh, remember that? Like that made about impression. like imposter syndrome it was so funny. But that's humor for you. Yeah. It can like, le- you, you know, you remember it. Yeah. Um, that's great. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, would you be interested in having a DMC with me and Rifki? And we want to actually talk about humor. You know, this is something that really stands out. And she says, she's like, listen, I've actually never talked about that. But it's really interesting you say that because it ties into so many of the talks that I do give. Amazing. So I was like, really? Let's talk about that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so humor, let's talk about humor for a second. It's incredibly, it's incredibly powerful, really. Mm. We all know how therapeutic laughing is, right? right? Laughter is the best medicine. And it actually induces physical changes in your body. So when you laugh, you you increase your intake of oxygen-rich air, right? We're getting sciency here. It stimulates your heart, your lungs, and muscles, and increases the endorphins that are in, like released in your brain. Endorphins are like the happy chemicals, make hmm. us happy. It also significantly lowers cortisol levels, that's the stress hormone, and it returns the body to a more relaxed state. So endorphins up, cortisol down, relaxed, 
happy. So that leads to some serious stress relief. Uh, I feel like there are days where like I don't even laugh because I'm like too anxious. But if I realize <laughs> if I could just like chill a little bit, yeah. that would make me feel more calm. Right. <laughs> I, yes, I relate strongly to that as well. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, and I think also like from a Torah perspective, the Rambam we know talks about this Shvil Hazahav, this, you know, this middle path. And on one end of the extreme midos, there's this chok, um, which means levity. And that's, you know, mockery in a sense, scoffing. And um, the other, you know, humor, I think, when we talk about, you know, chok as being a negative expression of humor, humor can be used positively as well. It can be used for, for many good things, to uplift people, to inspire, to open up people to Torah ideas. But we know absolutely there's a double-edged sword with humor. Yes. And we know it can be used for bad. I mean, you want to think about, you know, any standard fare for comedians. Right. Um, Perke Avos actually warns that mockery and lightheadedness actually cause a person to lewdness. So, wow. you know, that's a whole other part of, of humor, which is often banked on in terms of, you know, comedy. Right. Um, and we try to stay away from people are always asking for like clean recommendations of comedians, you know, as right, a, from it, people. Right, it devolves very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. So, you know, and also in a negative way, humor can be used to just to make fun of people and make fun of everything, even serious matters. Right. Um, and to tear people down. Tear people down. And we see also on social media often, it's that like that wittiness. Yeah. Like, I, oh, that's funny. Sure. But have you just made right. a joke of something that should not be right. laughed about? Right. It's funny at what cost? At what cost? So yeah. humor definitely, I think, is a double-edged sword in that way. So we are really curious about how we can use humor and laughter and integrate it to improve our lives, to be on the, the right side of That's humor, right. you know? Um, and this is exactly what we get into with Yaffa. How and why is humor important to our relationships and our own mental health? And we also talk about how if we can integrate humor if we're not how we can integrate humor if we're not like naturally funny people, mm-hmm. you know, those of us who are more serious, more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, because the goal isn't for us to become the next Jewish female stand-up comedians, you know, <laughs> that's not that's not the goal. But humor, if it has such a profound biological effect on our bodies, then how can we get more of this good stuff oh, yeah. into our lives? <laughs> <laughs> well said. So here is our DMC with Yapa, and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Yaffa, to Deep Meaningful Conversations. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, and I also, love, I also love the name of your podcast, by the way, DMC. It's so, it like brings me back to my high school days and to camp days, Deep Meaningful Conversations. Totally. Yeah, that's all Alex. Alex came up with yeah, it. Yeah, well, that was the vibes. You know, I, I ran up by my high school daughter, and she thought it was good, so I'm not like this total ridiculous old lady who's trying to pretend she's oh, a teenager. It, it, passed vibe, it passed the vibe check. It We're did good. pass the vibe check. <laughs> crucial (laughs) okay so let's start today's conversation um actually with your instagram profile which i think is so brilliant and describes you i don't know if you did you like hire someone to write this or this is all you no nothing i don't have any anyone else working my social media Ah, okay so i'm gonna tell all of our listeners yafa describes herself and her her mission as quote sharing the genius and joy of judaism torah educator independent thinker soul developer and happiness cultivator so i just love that and Mm-hmm. Yafa, tell us a little bit about what you do online as well as what you do offline. Okay. Offline. Yeah. Um, okay. Does that really even happen offline? <laughs> um, so I'll tell you the truth. It does happen sometimes. And I will actually talk a little bit first about what I do offline because I like to prioritize my life according to values. And my offline life is actually my priority. Beautiful. So what, what I do offline is a couple different things. My husband is actually the rub in our community. We're community builders. We have a shul and we're really, you know, building a lot. So I am, you know, a community leader on right beside my husband. You're in Miami um, Beach, right? North Miami Beach? Right near North Miami uh-huh. Beach. Yes. On the outskirts, it's an area that's really called Sky Lake. It's in between North Miami Beach and Aventura. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty name, Skylake. Skylake is so pretty. Okay, I'm going to be very honest with you. I just say that it's called Skylake because there's an area right a few blocks away that's called Skylake, and it's so pretty. My real area, nobody knows this. This is between us, okay? okay. Only between <laughs> us. Just, just us. Just only us between three. us, thousands of people that are about to listen to this podcast. It is called Ojos, O-J-S. Mm. 
You see your faces? That's why I say skylight. Yeah. yeah, I validate but, that choice. <laughs> and thank you. The only reason I know that it's called Ojas is because when I try to post the picture and it tells you like where to post it from, I was like, oh, I live in Ojas. No, yeah. I don't live in Ojas. It's like Ojas, Florida. Like you live in like the swamps, you know? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, I, I refuse to live in a beautiful area and call it Ojas. So I live in Skylake, okay? <laughs> and we're building the community there. And um, and Baruch Hashem, it's, we've seen so much growth. It's really, it's beautiful. It, we had a shul in my house. We outgrew my home. And now we built a tent, a beautiful wow. luxury wow. tent. It's wow. gorgeous. That's amazing. Yeah, so Baruch Hashem. So we're doing a lot of that. I also do a lot of, um, I do a lot of online courses. I do a lot of in-person. I do a lot of chaburas. I go around the city, Miami Beach, Aventura, Hollywood. And I do um, chaburas with women, mm-hmm. the group, groups of women. I love um, Coach, online coaching, college teaching, a lot of that kind of stuff. So that's what I do offline. What I do online is I try to just give a little, you know, I call myself a Torah educator, which is really what I like to do. So even though like by profession, I'm a trained addictions professional, I don't really work with addictions. I work as a Torah educator and, and all of that is kind of encompassed through what I do. So I teach a lot of shalom bias, parenting, um, success, simcha, like whatever, anything related to personal development from a Torah perspective. So I try to do a lot of that offline as well as online, just giving little points of inspiration, motivation, hopefully leading to transformation because that's the ultimate goal. Kind of what I share online, just mm-hmm. little, little pieces of myself. Okay, so I have a couple questions. First of all, in terms of your shul, is that is that Kiev or you're working with from from people? Okay, so it's what I like to call Shlav Bet Kiev. Mm, what is that? Where, okay, so for many many years we did um, primary Kiev. We were in the front lines. Okay. Um, Teaching people, yes, there is a God. Yes, he does exist. What's the proof? I don't know. Come to class next week. If I, you, know, you like these chicken wings? There's more where that came from. Come check out. Okay. That, you know, for like 20 years, that was like our thing. Okay. Right. Um, on the side, though, I was always more really involved a lot with Kirov Krovim, mm, you know, yeah. from women. Yeah. But that was kind of what we did together. A lot of this frontline care work. Now we're in Shlav Bet, which is our community is uh, the majority of them are very, they're, tra- I would say traditional in a sense. Most of the people who come to my shul, a lot of them already do keep Shabbos, but many of them, instead of calling, like, I wouldn't say that they're Shomer Shabbos. I would say they're Shabbos aware. Uh-huh. They're like, they're not really keeping it kahalacha, but they're not going to go to the mall. They're not going to go to the movies. They're going to stay home with their families. They'll watch TV together, but they're going to stay home. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, right? There's no, they all believe in Hashem. They're doing more mitzvot every day. It's like a growing, growing community, which I love. Hmm. So that's, that's, that's where we are now. And I love that, that you support the people who already believe, who are already you know, like on, on the level to the, in the sense that like this is a value in our lives, but then to support them. And I love that because that's always something that I've wondered, like once you get people in, but then what? But then what? So this is, you know, this is like supporting people who are growing and who want to connect. I love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the then what? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. great. Okay. And I just have to pick out one part of your little bio before we move on to the meat of our conversation. But you talk, you describe yourself as being an independent thinker. And I find that just so fascinating. Like you're a from woman and you are a proud independent thinker. Like what is, what does that mean? Is there any contradiction to you? Okay. I love that. So maybe, okay. We'll start a little bit from the beginning. I grew up in New York. I was homeschooled. Why? Well, well, back in the day, they called it expelled. <laughs> I know. I, we're like, there are plenty of schools in New York, right? <laughs> like I saw your faces, and I was like, all right, the punchline has to come. Okay. So, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I went through a lot in my school career, okay? Um, and I have experienced a lot of different styles and approaches to education. I have experienced a lot of people, not in my own home, Baruch Hashem, I had such an always wonderful family, completely supportive, uh, but I've experienced in the school systems um, a lot of people who did not necessarily recognize me for who I was and my potential and did not necessarily believe in me. People, authoritative members who should have protected me did not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I really saw a lot of what could have been and what wasn't for me that as I evolved and as I developed, I actually went on a few different paths. So I was, okay, I went to four different high schools Wow! <laughs> because none of the ones I was in invited me back the oh, next year. Oh my gosh. So I've experienced a lot of that. Then I finally found a wonderful, wonderful school for me. This is, this is off topic, so I'm not going to get into the details, yeah. but it actually was thanks to someone I was in camp with, a girl my own age at 16 years old who actually believed in me and went to her principal and said, if you don't send her, if you don't accept her, I'm not coming back to school either. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's incredible. It was um, unbelievable. And I owe her so much Hakar Satov till today. Uh, Obviously, I don't know, I paraphrase, I don't know if those were her exact words, but that was, you know, that was kind of what she, um, you know, offered to the principal. And, and, And it really changed my life. And then I ended up, can I tell you where I went for seminary? Sure. You're sitting, right? You're sitting? Okay. I went to Hadar. Ah. Uh, so, I, right? Okay. <laughs> I just, yeah, I saw your Cleaned eyeball. up quick. <laughs> so I, clean, oh, I cleaned up real fast. So that's the thing. I went to the opposite extreme for seminary. So I really developed, um, you know, an understanding of my own based on all the different paths I've taken and based on all the different things I've seen. And, and as I mentioned, styles of chinuch and I was, and styles of, of living Torah hmm. that I was able to say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if I see hundred percent MS in this way or in that way or the other way. I think I need to take everything that Hashem put in front of me and develop my own understanding of Torah. Hmm. Torah is nuanced. And when I say my own, I mean, of course, according to uh, proper Torah hashkafa and finding a rav that aligns with my hashkafa, right? But you mean within the the umbrella of the many different ways that we can be observant? A hundred percent. Within the the framework of emunah, bitachon, and Torah, and halacha, a hundred percent. But I realized that there is no 100% truth that this is to follow halacha and to keep the Torah. And, 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 I, and I realized how important it is to be an independent thinker, hmm. that I need to learn Torah for myself. I need to understand my own Torah so that I own my Torah and I'm not a victim of halacha. <laughs> what does that mean, a victim of halacha? I love that expression. I don't even know what that means. Um, so, I, so a victim of halacha, what I, when I say that, what I really mean is that sometimes we just keep Torah and mitzvot kind of robotically, kind of habitual. We just do what we do. We don't really understand it. Do I know the reasons I do the things I do? It doesn't mean that we have to understand the reason behind every mitzvah because many mitzvahs don't really have uh, reasons that we understand. Um, but to have a basic understanding of why I live my life the way I do. Mm. Why do I do the things I do? What's the intention behind my actions? And once I understand and once I, I could look I could learn my own Torah and I could look inside and, and understand nuances in the parsha and understand nuances in what I'm reading. Then I'm able to say, wow, like this Torah feels like it's mine. Beautiful. Oh, I amazing. own it. I love this because I feel like this is like such a, um, like when people, when people don't grow up within a religious framework and then choose it, they have that same kind of like, I chose it, I'm empowered, I love it, whatever. And this is something that, you know, I hope for my own children, obviously growing up within the framework that someday when they are adults, they will also independently think and say like, and wake up out of the, the Baruch Hashem, beautiful framework that I am hopefully providing them, you know, and yes. then to also say, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to own it and mm-hmm. I'm going to connect to it in a way that is personal for me, not just because, oh, this is what I've always done and this is what everyone around me is doing and this is how we were raised and this is Messiah, but like this is, I am choosing actively to connect to my Judaism in a way that is personal between me and Hashem and between me and my community and everything. I love it. hundred percent. You know, you know, there's obviously so many different categories people like to throw around and the two main categories, although there are so many, I would say are like BT, FFB, right? Mm-hmm. Are you about Shilba or are you from, from birth? Technically I would fall into the FFB category, but the truth is I have a different category that, that I like to put myself in. And I, and I, I call that I'm an FFC hmm. from, from choice. Because no matter how I grew up, I'm still making this choice every single day. Every morning I wake up and I say, yes, Hashem, I'm choosing you. This is how I want to live my life. 
Right. Right. And then you can get into the discussion about all the labels that fit under the FFB. But it sounds like you are not a card carrying member of anything. You, right? (laughs) You are Yaffa Palti. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because one summer in camp when I didn't have a school to go to the next year, I was in Camp Chayel, actually. If you know that, if you're familiar with that camp, going into 11th grade and I had no school to go to the next year. And, w- and of course, the camp did an activity one day where everybody had to split up according to schools. Oh my gosh. Everybody was in their school, and I'm standing oh. there alone, and I created this new school called Base Yaffa. And I said, uh. Who wants to go to the next year? And like suddenly I had everybody running over to my team, and it was so fun. That's awesome. But like, but you know what? That that really is when I learned that I could either be resentful or I could be resourceful. Oh, that's amazing. And now look at everyone looking at you, uh-huh. right? <laughs> like, we wish we kept in our school. Yeah. No, you have, right. you have to, you really have to, you know, you, you have to be able to make the best of your situation. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like embarrassed and, 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 and I think deep down, I felt a little bit of shame. Like, oh gosh, I'm the only one here without a school. Like yeah, this is so bad. Right. That's so normal. I don't know how you couldn't have had that, at least like a, a bit of that, you know? Exactly. I did. And then I was, but I, but I, I, I had to tell myself, you're either going to go run and cry in a corner yeah. or you are going to, you're going to do something about this. Like, I don't have to be a victim. It's a great message. You know? It is. It's a fantastic so, message. And this is like, do you feel like, you know, your, you said your family was very supportive of Baruch Hashem. Like, do you feel like that also definitely helped contribute? Did that help contribute to your resiliency as you absolutely. went through this, you know, choppy high school experience? Yeah, Absolutely. There's no question about it. Yeah, for sure. I knew my parents, you know, I knew that I could count on them. I knew that I could trust them. I knew that they would always have my back. And that, that really made a very big difference. Amazing. Wow. Um, so let's, I guess let's dive back to the, to the social media thing mm. that we kind of start with a circle back. Um, your, your account is so fantastic. And it's a mix of like inspiration, tour depth, humor. How do you decide first of all, how do you do it? Second of all, how do you decide like what to post when? Like, do you, do you like kind of plan it out? Do you have like, do you as inspiration strikes? Just like how, how do you create the amazingness that is yeah. Yaffa Palti You seem to have like a very unique approach. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I really I can't think of anyone who's similar in terms of the work that you do on social media. Okay, I appreciate that so much. Mm-hmm. Really, thank you. Um, I'll be very honest with you. As I mentioned earlier, my priority is really my offline life. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the truth. If, if I had more time, I probably would like, I, it's funny because you said, oh, I love your content. It seems like you, you were, you seem to have been implying that I have uh, some kind of great um, strategy mm-hmm. in the way I post and how, honestly, I sit there, I literally, I, I dive in, this is, this is private and personal. Mm-hmm. I dive in for a lot of things regarding social media. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of my main, main tefila is, you know, I ask Hashem constantly to let it only be a positive influence for me and for me to be a positive influence for other people and that keep my boundaries. These are all things that I daven for really every day. Amazing. But honestly, I also daven for Hashem to give me the creativity that I need for good content because it's like what I struggle with a little bit is I can give like a whole hour class and throughout the class, I can hear five or six times, oh my gosh, that's an amazing quote. Let me write it down. And while I'm saying that, I think to myself, okay, let me put that quote up on social media after this because, oh, that was a good quote. Like, let me, and then I forget it. And then I'm just like, oh, what was it that I said? What was it? And I always feel like I have good content for an hour class, but how do you break that down to tiny little posts? Yeah. That's what I struggle with a little bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so I guess to answer that, it's really kind of when the inspiration strikes and when I have some time. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I, I don't believe in the algorithm. That is not a power yes. that is greater. Okay. I, I don't give it any power. I don't give it any, any force. Um, I, you know, I, I don't count and make cheshbonos. How many people are online? Yes. No. What time? When I have a minute, I post. Okay. That's three yeah. o'clock in the morning. I'll post it then. I will so, say just like as a user <laughs> and an observer, yeah. Again, I'm no criticism to those people who really invest heavily in curating yeah. and creating their content. And like you could see, they spend a lot of time creating their Instagrams. You do not give off that impression. Like it's like you can <laughs> see that like Yaffa is teaching, Yaffa's busy, Yaffa's doing other stuff offline. And Yaffa's de- a mess. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no. 
<laughs> you know, you are not someone where I'm you kidding, are like, <laughs> that we can tell that you're constantly like living on Instagram to create okay, content. Right, okay. And I think Which that's a good I, thing. I, I, I actually take that as a compliment. I feel, and again, no offense, of yeah. course. But for some people, this is literally their source of pronouns. For sure. I'm like, for sure. Right, well, right. Of course, they have to spend a lot of time on, sure. on it. That's not, that's not my, you know, my, not my topic now. The topic is about me right. personally, that I really don't. And the truth is, I, I do have, I regret it a little bit because I, I can't answer many DMs. Like I wish I can. And people reach out to me and I so badly want to be able to connect and I connect with some, but you know how it works. They, you, you lose them. Like right. if you don't respond the first day or two, they all go down to the bottom and then um, the search button really doesn't work well on DMs. Like I just, you know, I feel bad. I do, hmm. but I, I really do have to prioritize right. and, and, to me, and I, I have to stick to my, you know, to my convictions and, and, and what I decide. So that's the thing. I do very often miss opportunities. Just last week, there were two different things I wanted to post about mm. because it was very relevant to what was going on in that day for me. It was a great message I wanted to share with people. But with one of them, I didn't I didn't have time to write out the caption. Yeah. And then it was like four days later. And I was like, OK, this is dumb. This happened four days ago, you know. And then with the other one, I wrote out a whole beautiful caption. But the caption character. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> like I kept having to chop this and chop that right. and chop this. And then I was like, What's OK, so like well, the whole message is gone. Like, yeah. I, so, you know, so those kind of things frustrate me a little bit sometimes because they take they make me take more time on a post than I want to. Yeah. I totally you know? hear that. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So that, those are the things I struggle with a little bit in terms of posting. Okay. So Rifki mentions, you know, this combination of humor and Torah insights. And I find also like you may be sharing a Torah idea or something about the Jewish calendar and you throw in this humor and you have sort of just, and that's why you're here today is I think that's sort of your reputation is that like you have this combination of Torah depth and also just this great sense of humor that's right. so refreshing. You're so funny. You're so <laughs> consistently oh funny. <laughs> like naturally, like you're not even trying, right? So this is our conversation today. Um, I, we're, you're not here as a therapist, but I really am curious from your perspective, because the way you utilize humor, and I'm assuming you use it in your offline life as well, yes. why do you think humor is so important to our mental health and our emotional health? Okay, it's such a great question. So I think that um, my main goal really is inspiration. I mean, the long-term goal is transformation, but mm-hmm. the step one towards transformation is inspiration, mm-hmm. okay? So that's really the goal of everything that I try to do and be and give over. It's inspiration. Now, the thing is you need a conduit, mm-hmm. and happiness is a conduit, and joy is a conduit, and love is a conduit to that inspiration and to that transformation. The thing is that I find that humor... Um, reduces social distance between people, mm. right? I mean, am I allowed to encourage reducing social distancing <laughs> right now? I mean, but that's that's really what it does. It makes us more relatable as leaders, as teachers, as spouses, as parents. And it's something that's so important. It makes us relevant and relatable to the people around us. And I'll, I'll give you an example that comes to mind. A couple of years ago, I was brought in to speak at Rutgers University here in New, Jer- in New Jersey. Um, they made a Shabbaton for their Jewish students. Somebody organized like, you know, uh, the Jewish students. It was huge turnout. They brought me in as a speaker for the whole Shabbos, okay? And tons, I don't know how many people were there, 200 students, oh, a large crowd. And I come in and I saw immediately, I was dealing with a group of people who really preferred that their Friday night should be a party night and not have to sit through a class. And I saw that immediately. So I said to myself, all right, gotta do something with this group right now. And I just looked at them. And of course they were, you know, studying me. They had to get a first impression, you know? And I looked around them and I said, I said, guys, listen, I'm from New York. So I have firsthand knowledge of this, okay? I said, do you know why everyone in New York is so depressed. And suddenly I like stare at me, you know? <laughs> I said, because the light at the end of the tunnel is New Jersey. <laughs> My husband's from New Jersey. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. And you know what? I had them in my hand for the rest of Shabbos. Awesome. Right? So sometimes you have to be able to be relatable and you have to be able to be 
relevant. And it, again, as I said, it it reduces that social distance. Suddenly they were like, oh, oh, I, I think we can relate to her. I think we can listen to what she has to tell That's us. Great. Right. Um, another example, recently I spoke for, this was so nice. A group of women came to Miami for their friend's 40th birthday. Aww. A group of them. And they asked me, I thought it was so sweet. They asked me to come speak. They were going to have parties and fun and a great time, but they wanted a little bit of inspiration also. And they told me that the whole group actually is experiencing a lot of anxiety about getting older. Hmm. So, um, so I opened up with saying, I said, listen, I said, I, I understand you. I said, I recently discovered that I am approaching the age of needing glasses for reading. Hmm. So I made the very, very difficult decision to stop reading. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And you know what? Right away. I saw them like relax. She gets it. We can, we can, you know, she'll be able to maybe help us a little. And we did, we had a great, great talk on the advantages of getting older, you know? So, you know, so a lot, this is how I, you know, I really understand it in physics. Okay. What happens in physics, heat expands and cold contracts. And really, it's the same here with human behavior and, and, and human connection. When you're trying to share values with people, with your children, with your students, or with anyone, things that are warm expand, coldness contracts, and, and it doesn't transmit well when it's cold, wow. right? And that's really what I think is important to just create this warmth. And that's where the humor has to come from. There has to be that thing that you connect with. And the truth is, you know, with humor, you achieve two things. Number one, as I said before, the conduit. It's a conduit for Torah humor, but also it helps you achieve joy itself, like actual joy. That's right. Being able to laugh, being able to feel a little lighter, just to be a little upbeat, a little smile, you know, and we all need that. We all need that. And especially today, we live in a world that has gotten so intense about everything. All the time. All the time. Everything is so heavy and so intense and so categorized between good and bad and polarized. And it's just there's so much of it. And, And truthfully, even in our circles, I just feel like there's this like heavy depression over Klal Yisrael right now. Right. They're just they're, they're people are having this this struggle finding the balance between being serious and being light. Right. right? And it's it's it really is a struggle. So, I, you know, I really believe that um, when you are content, when you're happy and when you have joy, you become a recipient for real simcha. Mm. And you can be a better parent, you can be a better spouse, you can be a better teacher, a better connector, better anything. You know, You know, when you have, when you live in that simcha, and when you live, when you allow joy to be in your life, then Hashem rests his shechina on you, and you're able to actually be a better Jew wow. when you have humor in your life. Wow. Wow. Mm. So I love that. And this is, I mean, it's our... One of the next things that we wanted to explore was like, why is humor important in our relationships? I think that you're already like touching on it yeah. so much, you know, that we can be a more effective wife, a more effective mother, a more effective community member when we, uh, when we, I guess when we don't take ourselves so seriously all the time, yes. right? I, I, that's one of the things that I yeah. really appreciate so much about your humor is that like you, you're not afraid to poke fun at yourself yeah. and I love Self-deprecating. it. It's fantastic. And you put exactly. yourself on the level also, you're not like, I'm the Rebbitson coming in here. You like are coming into this group of women and like, hey, yeah, obviously I'm also afraid of, of growing old too. Like you're just exactly. equalizing yourself. And I think that you, I think you provide that kind of model of a very relatable Rebbitson to so many of us, you know, who it's like, Torah is Darche Noam. Like, let's let's make this pleasant. Let's make this a little lighter than like so stressful and, and you serious, know, serious. And serious. Yeah, I'm, sure it's serious, but like it's about how you approach it, and that's mm-hmm. sort of the the vibes that you give off. I think as a Rebbitzin. I really appreciate that. Thank you. That really is, you know, that's really the way I try to live my life. And um, you know, when you said you said the word self deprecating, so I I'm very um, boundaried about my self deprecation. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's important that I'm relatable. So I share a lot about myself that is really like, hi, I'm one of you. Like, don't yeah. put me on a pedestal. So you want to have respect for the Torah that I'm teaching you? Absolutely. Respect the Torah that I'm giving over. But me, don't put me on a pedestal. I'm one of you. You know, and I'm just here to share my life with you. Hashem gave me certain kohos and ability and abilities to share that with others. 
So that's why I'm doing it, you know, but, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really along with you. And it's so important, you know, to be able to appreciate that part of ourselves, the part of ourselves that's just human and normal, but we can't be too self-deprecating because I don't, I don't either think it's appropriate to just be a hot mess in public, Mm -hmm. you know? No, like, I feel like this is a little bit of a struggle that we were talking about before, finding the balance in life between, you know, we live in a society that celebrates perfection and we know that it's super difficult um, to be a perfectionist in every area. And therefore we sometimes end up feeling like a failure a little bit because we can't reach the level of perfection. So what happened? Our society did something very smart. It realized that we can't actually achieve this high level of perfection. So instead, let's celebrate our imperfections. Let's show everybody what a mess we really yeah. are deep yeah. down. And that's not either good. Right. Because again, you do lose, there, there is a, a little bit of your dignity that goes along with that. And people do lose respect for you, even if it doesn't seem to be that way. Everyone loves watching a train wreck. You feel good about yourself. Oh, you love watching Dr. Phil. You're like, whoa, I'm so normal. <laughs> but like, <laughs> that, you know, that's kind of, so I'm careful. Like I, I, I want to share authentically about who I am, but but I'm also very careful, like not that it comes from a place of confidence and not from a place of insecurity. So I, I love that you're talking. Sorry, can I just jump in here? I, I, I love that you're bringing this up because this was also something I had also wondered that that kind of like shift towards we can't be perfect. So let's just all be hot messes. And one of the things that I had always that had bothered me about it was the fact that like, I, well, can we not strive to improve? It's like if we're all just like, you know, having a competition about who can be the most hot mess, like who can be the biggest train wreck, but are we not supposed to also still be striving to grow? It's like that, that fear of being a failure and that, you know, yush of ever attaining perfection. Of course, no one can be perfect because only Hashem is perfect, but that it almost like blocks our ability to grow. I hear what you're saying. I'll tell you the truth, but I, I really think that um, the fear of failure, which is a direct, uh, you know, directly correlates to um, perfectionism, right? Um, I, I honestly, it, I think it is that whole concept, fear of failure, um, imposter syndrome, um, even fear of success in a way, mm. I think that it masks itself. All of these behaviors, they mask as humility. Oh, I'm not good enough. It's not really, it's ego-based. If I feel that the, that I have to be perfect or else there's something wrong with me, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed. Uh, it's all about me to be afraid to fail, right? To have imposter syndrome, who am I, who am I? It's all about, if we would recognize that we are here as vessels for Hashem to, to, to shine through us and to come through us into this world and is using us as vessels. And not only that, but everything I'm doing is for Hashem. It's not for me. So what am I afraid of failing for? Right? What, why do I think that I'm not good enough to do something? Hashem gave me these talents and I'm using them for him. It's not about me. Right? So having that perspective allows us to be much more confident in who we are and what we do. It allows us to not be afraid of failure and to get up and do it again. If you fall down, who cares? I didn't fail. I made a mistake or I tried my best and Hashem is showing me I'm, it's the wrong direction. Let me see what else I can do. I feel like failure should be the first step towards success, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like it's a little bit of, you know, a, a mind shift. Is this about me or is this about Hashem? And I, that allows us also to look at the positive side of life. Beautiful. You know, and be able to see life a little lighter. And, um, and you know, we were talking before about, about in, you asked about relationships, how humor is important in relationships. I think it takes a level of confidence to not take yourself so seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? If you're afraid of being judged or if you're afraid of failing or any of these things we just spoke about, then you're not going to be, you have to, you take yourself seriously and everything is either hurtful or you feel insulted, you feel offended, or you feel uh, unfairly treated, or you can't take a joke about yourself or about what, you know what I mean? Or about life or whatever it is. It takes a level of confidence. And what I the way I feel is that I take life seriously, but I don't take myself mm, seriously. That's a great distinction. Mm. Right? Because life is important. You can listen to this and say, oh, you can make a joke about everything in life. No, no, of course not. Life is important, but I'm not that important. I'm important because I'm here because Hashem gave me work to do. And I, and it's so much I could accomplish for him and with him, by the way, don't forget the with him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But um, but other than that, okay, so I made a mistake. Like I'm not, I'm not supposed to be perfect. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I was just saying like, 
Could you elaborate a little bit in terms of relationships, let's say a marriage or parenting? Right, like how do you know when to be serious and when not? And sometimes you could make a joke that could, or I don't even know what do we mean by incorporating humor into relationships, how it benefits those relationships. Is it making more jokes? Is it taking ourselves less seriously? Is it just lightening the tone in our homes? What would you say to that? I would, I would, I would say two things. I'm going to start with one and I really hope I don't forget the second one. Okay. First thing is, um, I, you know, this is a huge buzzword today, of course, and I and I think that this word needs to be examined, also and really assessed. Um, the word vulnerability. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a big word today. People like to throw it around, and the truth is, I think that social media has. It's a double-edged sword because on one hand, of course, people are learning so much more about the importance of being vulnerable in relationships than than they previously knew. But on the other hand, um, it's it's people are leaning in too much to vulnerability and not recognizing that vulnerability is not a mean, is not a goal in itself. Mm. It's a to an end, hmm. right? If the, the goal, people often think today that the goal is to be vulnerable, like disclaimer, vulnerable post ahead, like, hi, everybody, come, come read what I wrote because this is going to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. That the goal, just to be vulnerable, just to get attention because I'm sharing something personal, yeah. the goal has to be an emotional connection. So then vulnerability is one way to lead towards an emotional connection. But then you have to ask yourself, who am I creating an emotional connection with? 20,000 followers, 100,000 followers, or specific individuals? Like it has to be weighed very carefully. How much to share, when to share. This is obviously a whole different topic. Hmm. When it comes to family, family are the people that we have to be the most vulnerable with. These are the people that we have to have the greatest level of emotional closeness with and emotional connection with our, our husbands, our spouses, our children. So I really, really believe that it is so important in a relationship to be vulnerable. I know that there are some parents that are scared. I know because they tell me this, they're scared, they're, they're embarrassed, they're whatever there is, whatever is blocking them, but there is something that isn't allowing them to be truly vulnerable with their children. They have to be a little bit on a pedestal, which of course, halakhically, we are on a pedestal. Of course, don't get me wrong. You know, we're the boss and we're the parent. But emotionally, hmm. we have to be able to lower ourselves a little bit and connect with our children. So this took me a while also. It took me, it took me quite a few years to allow myself to really, really be open, completely open, obviously with healthy boundaries with my children. Um, And what I mean by that is, for example, some of my weaknesses I noticed at some point were difficult for my children. Mm. Like, you know, you know, if you have a certain weakness, you know how to overcompensate for Mm. it or even compensate for it. Right. In a way, when it only affects you, it affects you. And that's it. Like, you know how to deal with it. Like for me, I'm, I'm a big procrastinator and it affects me in some ways, but it, I learned how to do it. So if I have to stay up the night before and not sleep, I'll stay up the whole night before and I won't sleep and I'll get it done. And no one else is affected by that. But when it comes to family, being a procrastinator can really get in the way hmm. and it can, it can affect things. I've missed doctor's appointments for my kids. I've come late to their homish plays when they were younger, you know, and, 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 and instead of getting frustrated and then me feeling, I don't know if it was attacked or just kind of like, I guess it came from being ashamed because I knew I was wrong, but like on the, on the defensive, mm-hmm. it's not my fault. And I'm so, I'm sorry, but I, but, but, you know mm-hmm. what I, whatever. Yeah, totally. out. I remember one time my daughter, I think it, she was probably in sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. And she had this big school uh, performance. I don't remember what it was exactly. She told me that it was called for seven o'clock. It was called for eight o'clock. Oh gosh. She was so young. Oh, and I sure. got there and I was the only one in the audience. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what are you everyone? I'm so early. She's a clever year. girl. <laughs> she told me later that she told me an hour earlier. Wow. You know, yeah. and that's when I realized, that's when I realized, by the way, that I really have to work on this. This is uh, something that it works, you know, for me, I know how to compensate, but it's it's hurting my, it's hurting my family. And that was a, a, a time when I really changed that a lot. Um but I also realized that I think it would be important for me to share those weaknesses that I have with my children. And instead of it becoming like a them versus me, it was something that we talk about together. And now they all, they all became jokes. Like we just mm. joke about our weaknesses all the time nice. in, my, in my home. I forgot to put an ad in my, in one of my, I had three graduates this year. Okay, oh, Martha, wow. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. 
made and I put ads in two yearbooks and I forgot the third one because I didn't know that they, I, I, I didn't see the email. I didn't know he was only graduating fifth grade. Like it was elementary, <laughs> middle school and high school. Yeah. I didn't know. And he was really sad about it. And a few years ago, I probably would have had all excuses and I would have been like, I would have apologized, but I would have been like, I was just so busy. I had a million things on my head. I'm so sorry. But there's I so many emails. Why do they send so many emails? So many emails. Literally, I would have been like, they sent 20 emails a day. How can I keep up? You know what I mean? And all of that is legitimate, but they're also really excuses. And they don't allow me to to connect properly with my children. It's always a me, a me versus them or a them having, you know, feeling let down again. This time we were able to joke about it because they know, they know I'm not good at it. They, they know that it's a little, it's still a little weakness of mine. I, I miss things sometimes. I'm not a hundred percent. Like I, it just, it is who I am. Mm-hmm. And of course I work on it on a constant basis, but some people, this would never happen to them. Mm-hmm. I'm the type that it would happen to me, even when I work on it. That's you know right. what I mean? Right. So but now we joke about it. So that's what I mean. If that answers your yeah, question, that's beautiful. right. Just allow yourselves to, to, to be who you are in front of your spouses and children. And I want to talk about spouses for a second. I think, um, just to share my thoughts on that, I think that, like, often with our marriages, it becomes very much like, you know, the two of us making this life happen and getting the kids to where they need to get to and making sure everyone stays alive and paying the bills. And we can just get so consumed in the business of marriage where sometimes we forget two things. We forget about, like, just those romantic interactions, you know, that can be so powerful. And also just like that light atmosphere, the humor, the cracking jokes, the, you know, little cute comments, you know, and I think, I think that I'd I'd imagine that really trying to utilize humor in a natural way, but can really like revive a relationship and a marriage. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. 100%. There's no question about it. I really, I strongly, strongly believe that whatever you can cry about and whatever you can fight about Hmm. You also laugh about. That's great. Wow. wow. That's right? a quotable quote. Who's writing it down? Exactly. Let's write it down. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put that one on our social media. Right. It's, been, re- it's been recorded so we won't forget. It's great. <laughs> exactly. That's the good part of recording it. Totally. So, so that, that's, I really, I really believe that it's a choice we make every day. We're going to choose to let it offend us and cry. We can choose to turn it into a fight or we can choose to turn it into a joke and laugh. And, and this is something that I, I really, I, I've done in my own life with my, with me, with my, my husband. We really, we just joke about things all the time mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. We joke about it because why should we fight? Why should we get upset? Why should we get offended? And it changes the entire atmosphere in the home. And I do this with my children too. Some, if some kids are a little bit more intense than others, right? right, right. Um, I, the way we deal with it, my husband and I both, we deal with it with humor. Mm. We we help the child see what she's going through or he's going through in their lives as humorous instead of as so serious. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't make everything in life so seriously. But you have to acknowledge their feelings, though, if they feel that it's a big deal. Meaning if you're just like, oh, but really, it's a joke and it's okay. Like oh, there must yeah. be a balance of like acknowledging the intensity of the feeling and their experience and right. and responding oh, in a thousand percent. manner. Thousand percent. Yeah. But I find what I find is that when you approach it with humor, they're also able to understand their feelings in a, a little bit of a healthier way. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like uh, I'm trying to think of an example that I can give without giving away too much. But of we what get. I, I I think we get but it. Like, it's it's a it's great. Yeah. Right. Because I don't want to give a specific example, yeah. but something happened recently in my own home like that, where I was able to help my child see. Um, why what they why it was a little bit ridiculous about a certain reaction they were having but yet i understand that you feel this is hard for you but mm-hmm. we were able to turn it into something that was humorous and i really feel that it makes a very big difference to them okay. absolutely yafa you're naturally funny you know <laughs> like you have a great sense of humor but we can be listening yeah. to this and thinking like oh but i'm not funny like I, humor is not natural to right. me right or someone who's like a more serious disposition right you know or, or just naturally more yeah. intense so like how how would we build that humor muscle and incorporate and integrate it more if we feel that we just don't have that gift? Okay. I love that question. And thank you for the compliment. Um, I, I'll tell you the truth. I, I honestly, you don't have to be a comedian mm. to be able to have good humor. And you also don't have to be the source of the joke in order to have good humor, mm-hmm. in order to find something funny or to turn something funny. You can find fun in everything and anything in life if you choose to. I really think it's all a matter of 
perspective, a matter of mindset. You know, you can see the light side of life. It takes a moment to stop and say, why am I reacting like this? Why am I taking this so seriously? Could there be something light in this? Is it that important? You know, and, you know, so many things in life could actually be funny or even just fun if you have the eye to see it. And I'm going to tell you an example. This just happened yesterday. Oh, so it's fresh in my mind. I don't know how many of you followed my stories on Instagram, but I came in yesterday for a wedding. I had a wedding last night. Now, it's a, a wedding of a, of a very, very close friend, almost like a sister to me. And I was really part of the wedding party. So I had to, I was, you know, wearing a long, I was wearing a, a gown. And um, that's why I got my makeup done and everything. So um, I wore that gown that I was going to wear to the wedding last night, last week when I came in and I, and I hosted the Bone Olam event and I wore the same thing. So when, while I was wearing it here last week, it got a little bit, it got a little dirty, a little stain on it. So I came home last week, Wednesday to Miami. I ran to the cleaners on Thursday. I brought it to the cleaners and I asked them if they could be ready Friday because I was thinking ahead and I knew that I had to travel early Tuesday morning, 6.30 in the morning, but Monday was July 4th and they were going to be closed. Oh, so smart. Good planning. On Sunday, That's, you're right? not a procrastinator. Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've been working on it. All right. So here we are, the worked on version of Yafa. I <laughs> Thursday. I said, could it please be ready for Friday? He said, yes. Okay. Um, about an hour before Shabbos and about 15 minutes before the cleaners closed, mm-hmm. I had asked one of my daughters to pick it up for me because I knew I was a little too busy. She said yes. And that's when she went very, very close to Shabbos. Almost when they were closed, she went to the cleaners. And also my husband had a whole stack of shirts. Okay. She came home from the cleaners holding the whole stack of shirts mm-hmm. and no dress. Oh, wow. And I said, hi, where's my dress? <laughs> and she said, oh, uh, there was a little stain. He couldn't get it out to so wash it again. Don't worry, it'll be ready next week. And I was like, it, obviously, it wasn't her fault. I didn't tell her specifically right. that I want to travel with it. I just said, pick up my dress. You know right. what I mean? Right. And there I was. I had two choices in that moment. They were closed because by the time she came home, they were already closed. They were opening Shabbos. They were closed Sunday. They were going to be closed Monday. Again, at 6 30 in the morning, I'm leaving my house to go to the airport Tuesday morning. So I had two choices, right? I could cry or yell at her. Yell. <laughs> Or I could laugh. And I said, okay, there is a reason for this. No problem. I didn't have another thing to wear. Like it was that, or I was just going to wear a regular Shabbos dress, but she really wanted me to be kind of, you know, she felt closer to me. So I said, okay, it is what it is. Don't worry about it. I'll work. I'll figure it out. I'll do what I can do. I even made a couple of calls to friends who live nearby asking if they had something that I could borrow in my size. Uh, You know, not all my friends are the same sizes. So it was like a little complicated and then I said, oh, wait, let me Google and see what time they open Tuesday morning. Okay. I was like, you never know. I, I remember the cleaners open early sometimes. So I Googled, they're open six o'clock in the morning uh-huh. on Tuesday. I was like, oh my gosh, I'll pick it up on the way to the airport. Thank perfect. you, Hashem. Like, it was perfect. And that was it. And I was totally calm. I didn't have my dress, but I'm like, I'll pick it up on the way. It's fine. I packed the shoes that go with it. I packed whatever I needed, the accessories. On the way to the airport yesterday morning, we stopped at the cleaners about 6.30 in the morning at 6.40 maybe, and I get up there and I say, hi, where's my pink dress? He's like, oh, it's in the wash right now. Like it's being washed. You're rushing to the airport? And I'm operating the airport and it's the day of the wedding. And And you have the shoes for it. Right. (laughs) That's what I said. I I quickly called a friend because she was texting me all sorts of, what's with the dress? What's with the dress? Then I messaged her back and I was like, I might have to borrow something from you. And I was like, but... I brought the shoes that really only go with that dress. It was like not the type of shoe I could just wear with any dress. I was like, okay, we're going to make it work. It'll be fine. I was not letting myself get upset. And I was like, Hashem, you're hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> That's and a way I, to see it. <laughs> look, look, here's the thing. We're supposed to be emulating Hashem. Right. Want humor in life? Hashem is the best comedian. Yes. Okay? So true. So true. Such, <laughs> a, such a sense of humor. I'm like, Hashem, this is amazing. Thank you. And then... Um, so I, I, so I stood there and I'm thinking to myself, I have to make a decision. What should I do? He's like, can you wait a half hour? It'll be ready in a half hour. I was like, nope. <laughs> it's either the or my flight. Like, I'm not, it's not going to be both. And I don't know what to do. And then I did something very daring. I said to him, listen, I knew the dress was already clean, by the way. He cleaned it on Friday. He just wanted to take out another little stain, you know? I said, listen, can you just take it out of the machine, like sopping wet and give it to me? Wow. <laughs> like, we don't really do that. I'm like, I know you don't really do that, but can you do it? (laughs) Think out of the box right now for a minute. And he was like, okay, I don't see why not. 
He gave me the dress soaking wet. Okay. And I took it, squeezed it out. Oh my. And I, I threw it into my suitcase and I went to the airport. I got there and we're running late now because I spent like 20 minutes trying to decide what to do, you right, know? Right. And we get to the air and then there was traffic, whatever. Of course. Get to the airport. It was super late. Checked in my bag. I, I kept it in my hand luggage. I didn't put it in the main suitcase. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to go to the airport. I'll get to the airport bathroom and I'll, I'll dry it under the hand dryer. Come you know? on. This is a dry clean only dress? Yes. But Yapa. I figured like at least it won't be soaking wet. Like I'll right. get, I'll, like, it get be strong, right? but okay. okay. <laughs> I get to the airport bathroom. I only had five minutes to this boarding, by the way. But this I get is... to the airport bathroom. And the first time in my entire life, there was an airport bathroom that had no hand dryer, only paper towel. <laughs> when you want the paper You're towel, where are you know, I was like, okay, this isn't meant to be. I put it back in my suitcase. And I just, I said, we're going to dive in. And I even posted a picture of it on my stories. And I said, everyone's having for my dress. Um, it's sopping wet. And I, and I made a pun about it. I said, what did I write? I said, I said, yeah, Davin, that it decreases the amount of wrinkles that it gets. Uh. <laughs> and then I said, I said, this is a very pressing issue. I was just kind of on a roll over there with my puns. And I, and, and I said, that's it. Like, that's just that. I, I land, I get to the car rental place. I rented a car. I took it out of my suitcase. It was still soaking wet, but it wasn't really very creased. I lied it flat on the back seat in the car. It was a humid day. I said, okay, it'll dry here in the car. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, I got to my hotel. It was halfway dried. I hung it up on the back of a door for two hours until I had to get rest. It was almost dry. And then I was thinking to myself, I'm always very hot. Like I'm uncomfortable. I get hot and sweaty a lot. I was like, this is just Hashem, like letting me cool off. I'll put on a wet dress. I'll be cool. Like, it'll be fine. And it worked out. And I right. said to myself, I could have freaked out. Right. I could have gotten angry. I could have gotten, there were so many different reactions I could have had. And I chose to stay positive and I chose to stay upbeat. And you know what? It really did work out. And sometimes that's the Nisayon that we have. Sometimes Hashem sends us a challenge just to see how we're going to respond to it. Right. And right. then it works out. So I feel like sometimes we have to be able to, allow ourselves to just see that perspective. It could be upsetting or it could be funny. Right. And I think that when we do choose to look at it with humor, I feel like that really gives us the possibility to think outside of the box and to come up with creative solutions. Because when right. we're stuck with the panic and the, oh no, and why is this happening to me? And Hashem, I'm so upset about this. It closes off our brain. It closes off our sure. ability to problem solve and to think. But when we're like laughing our heads off about the ridiculous situation that we find ourselves in, so yes. then we're open. That's it. That's exactly it. And the truth is, we dictate the reality mm -hmm. sometimes. So we can't always change our circumstances right. and our situations, but we can change our quality of life. Hmm. Uh, uh, we can change the way we respond to those circumstances, which changes our quality of life. You know, uh, so like if, if we did, we kind of dictate our reality in that sense, because whatever we focus on, that becomes our reality. Mm -hmm. So if we focus on oh, nothing's ever going right. And why does this happen to me? And why is this? What am I going to do that? Then, then we're, we are, we are creating this reality of things always going wrong. But if we could train ourselves to focus on the lighter side of life, to focus on the yeah. things like in the long run, how important was it for my dress to be ready? Okay. So what I'll did you do with your dress? dress? What happened? You took it to a dry cleaner in New York? What, you no, no, no. It? That's what I'm saying. But I did nothing. I ended up hanging it up on the door in the hotel. Yeah. And it just, it mostly dried. When I put it on, it was a little bit damp. I walked outside for five minutes and it kind of dried. Like that was it. It was fine. Crazy story. I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. And I think this is a mindset shift that you don't have to be a funny person yeah. to notice Hashem's humor. Look at these right. instances as, and again, it's easier said than done, but I, to, for me, this is a real mindset shift is seeing the orchestrations of the world as Hash, the expression of Hashem's humor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's great. Absolutely. So it really requires a mindset shift. Yeah. And I think it's also important for us to understand, you know, when, when we learned about the lates, right? We thought about lates. Uh, what is a lates? It's a person who is very critical, mm -hmm. right? A cynical, really. More like, it's more like a, cyn a cynical person, right? The lates makes fun of things to reduce their importance, mm. Right? A late, that's, that's not the humor that we're referring oh, that's to. That's he deflects criticism. Mm -hmm. That's the lanes, right? What we need to understand is not everything is so important, but not from the perspective of the late. I would say that there's a fine line between um, something that is funny, like humorous, that is offensive, right. something mm -hmm. that is insensitive. Mm -hmm. There's a fine line between all of those. And I think that 
finding the humor in something is when you highlight the ridiculousness of a situation and it allows you to see the lighter side of what just happened, right? Or what's going on. When it comes to elates, that's already something that it could be uh, offensive. It could be insensitive. It could be things that are, or it could be somebody who is trying to trivialize something that actually should be important. Like what you said before, Alex, regarding the feelings of our children or whatever it is, right? So what we need to understand is that balance of not everything is so important. We can't live so high strung. Mm -hmm. Not everything has to be the top priority of importance. And we need to distinguish between things that are important and things that are less important. And I think humor kind of helps us reduce the importance of things that don't have to be so important. Mm -hmm. Like, let, let's chill with this area. For example, you slip on a banana peel. By the way, okay, I hate cliches. And I once slipped on a banana peel <laughs> in Chicago, downtown Chicago. I am walking down the street, minding my own business. And suddenly I am on the floor and I look down and I slipped on a banana peel. And I was like, how this happened to me? How? And like, <laughs> I guess they really are like, slippery. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I'm like anti-cliche. Yeah. Anyway, it was just, it was, so here's the thing. It's a matter of focus. I realized, right, like I really, I thought about sitting on the floor <laughs> downtown Chicago and I'm being philosophical and I'm like, oh, one second. <laughs> if I don't laugh right now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't laugh, then I'm going to feel more pain. I'm going to feel embarrassment if I don't laugh. Yeah. Right. If I laugh, then the whole fall becomes less meaningful. And that's a good thing. Right. right. And sometimes I think humor can do that for us. Like not everything has to be that important. This is what I do a lot with my kids. How important, like we're not talking about things where, where, you know, feelings are really need to be processed in general, right? Certain overreactions or certain things that are, they're so high strung about how important is mm. that? Really? That's a great but question. Perspective. Great question. Right? How important is that really? I need that on and my I fridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. We should just write, how important is that really? And this regarding spouses, you know, any fight we can get into, our children, everything. And, and as I was thinking about it, as I was talking now, I was remembering that on Yom Kippur, we actually say in our tefillah, es asher hechmarta hekalnu, the es asher hekalta hechmarnu, hmm. Right. Uh, what does that mean exactly? What we're saying to Hashem is, we're saying what you consider grave and important, sometimes we disregard it. And whatever you consider light, we make too important. Wow. We're davening on Yom Kippur. We're saying, Hashem, I'm so sorry for sometimes trivializing the things that are important to you and for sometimes exaggerating the things that really aren't that important. That's great. That really, right? like, and we see that in the parent-child relationship in our own lives. So like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a nice parallel. Yeah, we, need, we need to keep our priorities in check. That's the bottom line. If, if our listeners like want to maybe like further explore some of the things that we discussed today, the humor and to know what to take seriously and what not to take seriously and how to have that mindset shift of being able to use humor to have a more healthy and more appropriate like perspective in life, do you have any book or speaker recommendations besides obviously yourself, which everyone should go, you know, follow the, if they're not already the, um, anything else that our listeners could like delve into. And Yaffa, before you answer, I just want to give a shout out to a loyal listener who has been listening to us from the beginning, who sent an email with this recommendation that we should ask this question to our, to uh, the people that we're interviewing. So yes, send your feedback. We really do take your recommendations seriously. So I want to thank that listener for this, because I think this is a great way to sort of like d deep in the conversation. Our DMC is to hear from you if there's any, anything that people, you know, can learn more after listening. Okay. So I'm going to think about that. Um, cause I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know Robert Lofsky is actually, he puts out, he has a great podcast and he's super funny. So he had like a really great balance of Torah and humor. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great. So, that's a great recommendation. Where can yeah. we find Robbie Orlovsky's like on YouTube? On YouTube, I definitely definitely has a YouTube channel that I know for sure, and perhaps he's on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Also, it could be, I but I know for sure he's on YouTube. tour anytime. I think he's on tour. Anytime. He, yeah, he must be on tour anytime. Also, I, I would imagine. But that's the first recommendation that comes to mind because I love that balance of Torah and humor. In terms of anything else, let me give it a thought. Let me think for a minute if there's anything I could think of. Um, 
I think there are a number of, um, you know, you mentioned Rabbi Orlovsky as a speaker. I feel like there are a number of speakers that really try to utilize humor. As you said in the beginning of this podcast, of this episode, is that's, I don't remember your wonderful language, but that's sort of like the way we break down those doors to get into some deeper topics and make connections. And I think there are a lot of great speakers who really utilize humor well, but also with like respect to the Torah that they're delivering to. You know, it doesn't take away from their Torah. Well, there was, I know when I was at Rabbi, Rabbi Kellerman would have jokes written on the board uh, like the chalkboard before yeah. class because you're supposed to start like a Torah class with, with ah. humor with laughing or right, something right there's a Gemara, there's a Gemara. I, I actually just recently read that yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's no question about it and also I mean there's so much proof in the Torah about laughter yeah. I mean the first thing that comes to mind of course is Avram and Sarah right 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 we both laughed Right. And it's interesting because, you know, Avram's laughter was a laugh of wonder, a laugh of happiness and like this marvelous news of him being a father. It's an old age. It was like, whoa, you know, he laughed. He looked at the, the this the funny side of life. He was like, OK, Hashem, you're hilarious. Like, OK, but he, he laughed. Right. And Sarah, we know in the beginning, her laugh was different. Right. Her laugh was originally coming from like disbelief. Like, oh my gosh, like, seriously, come on, how is this not even possible? We know that she came around afterwards 100% and she actually says, right, she said, Hashem has given me laughter and whoever hears this news, you're going to laugh along with me. Like, this is funny, guys. Come on, this is funny, right? (laughs) So there's so much of that laughter. Yitzchak, by the way, was named Yitzchak because of that, which means laughter. Yitzchak's main meter is gvura. When it comes to Avraham, Avraham was chesed. So like laughter probably came a little bit easier to him. He was like, Actually, more optimistic. He was chesed. Yitzhak was gvura. He could. He probably took himself very seriously, right? Um, and that's why he needed the name Yitzhak mm. to lighten him up a bit. Say, Don't take I've never heard that before. Is that like a Yaffa insight? Yeah, yeah. That's why you never heard it before. No. That's you really fascinating, guys. DMC podcast. <laughs> Yafa's writing a safer next. <laughs> we'll call it. Come laugh with me. So, so he, yeah. So that's the thing. He needed that balance. He needed that in his name. So I just think it's so important. Like there is, there's makoros in the Torah for laughter. We don't have to take things so seriously. Mm. I think that sometimes, like if we don't understand nuance in halacha. That we don't understand the difference between halacha, minhag, chumra, That's true. shtuyot. Like we don't understand <laughs> the difference between that sometimes, right? And we live high strung all day because everything is a yaro yavar. Like everything is, no, 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 relax. There has to be nuance in halacha. We have, and this is again why we need to learn Torah. Wow. And really, you know. Well, Yafa, this was cool. quite yeah. a DMC. We got deep. We certainly got meaningful. You definitely got funny. I just, I'm so thrilled with this conversation and all the various points and important topics that you've, you know, you've shared with us and insights. Thank you so much, so much for coming on and, and, and schmoozing with us today. You are so welcome. Thank you. I can't believe our time is up already. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so well, I, it just yeah. makes me happy to know we've got listeners who say that, you know, we um, help them fold the laundry a little quicker, you know? We, so like they're sitting in sure. on our little coffee talk and we're just proud to be able to provide content like that to our listeners. And I think this is a great example of this, this, you know, discussion in the CMC of really what we're all about on, on our podcast. Exactly. Well, thank you both for everything you do. You bring so much inspiration and joy to so, so many women. And oh, really, you. should give you strength to continue for many, many, many more years. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Yafa. So here's a takeaway for this episode. Humor is very powerful when it comes to human relationships. It can be used to insult and embarrass, but it also can be used to build connection and intimacy. Try to be aware of the role of humor in your everyday interactions with the people in your life. How can you, quote, lighten up and tap into the beneficial aspects of humor to benefit your closest relationships? If you're hearing this, you have made it to the end of another episode of DMC. We are so happy you took the time to join us. We are, and we love to hear from our listeners. Feel free to send us an email at dmc at meaningfulminute.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you haven't liked and followed DMC on social media and you're on social media, we really encourage you to give it a try. You'll see we have some extra content for you there. And finally, a huge thank you to Meaningful Minute for bringing the DMC vision into reality. See you next episode.